Big Little Besties, welcome to After Bedtime, where today we've got a very special guest with us, someone who has transformed mine and Kristen's parenting and pregnancy life, Emily Oster, who takes data and research and translates it so that you can cut through the BS and get down to what matters and leave behind what doesn't. Since there's so much anxiety and fear around so many things in parenting, let's go. Besties, you know that after bedtime, this is a podcast where we navigate the wild world of parenting after our little ones have gone to sleep. But we can't forget our other little babies, our furry little troublemakers, our dogs. I have a little pug. His name is Moki and we call him Momo and he really is my number one baby. He was my first child. And at the same time, as much as we love our pets, we know they can get into um, some trouble sometimes. Let me tell you about a time that my sweet, sweet baby Moki got into a bit of trouble. My one-year-old was just learning how to do solids. He's practicing. I gave him a huge lamb bone. And the baby, being a baby, accidentally dropped it on the floor and within seconds I kid you not I looked over before I could grab it Moki inhaled the lamb bone all six inches in a pug down his throat it was horrifying we rushed him to an emergency vet and thankfully thankfully it was a three-day journey he is okay but trust me the vet bills they were no joke Speaking of which, we wanted to share a message from our partner Spot Pet Insurance because Spot Pet Insurance plans can offer up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, which sounds like a game changer and something I wish I had on the Moki Lambone fiasco. Honestly, like it was bad on top of bad when I got the bill. But now imagine getting up to 90% cash back on that bill. And the Spot Pet Insurance Plan offers not only coverage for accidents and illness plans, but an optional preventative care benefit as well to help with the cost for routine wellness, vaccines, and more. And if you catch yourself thinking like, mm, is it expensive? Let me tell you, it is probably less expensive than the unexpected $1,800 vet bill that I got served. Go to spotpetinsurance.com today and get a free quote instantly. It's very easy. Disclaimer, paid ad for Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply for all terms. Visit spotpetinscom slash sample dash policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Finally, here we are. It's after bedtime, the kids are asleep, and it is time to get down. I'm Kristen. And I'm Dina. We're the duo behind the ever-popular Instagram account, Big Little Feelings, which helps you navigate all things parenthood. But this is not a boring parenting podcast. There will be inappropriate jokes. We will be getting down and dirty. So put those babies to bed and let's have fun. Dina, girlfriend. What's up, girl? Hey. Holy shit. What a morning. <laughs> I know. What a morning. I know. We're doing a morning sesh, by the that, way. That's the difference. Is yeah. this okay? Are you okay right now? I don't know how I feel. Like, I have more energy. <laughs> You're a morning person. That's I the difference. I am a morning person. That's the difference. We're I even made you a whole snacky. You, literally, <laughs> in front of me, besties, there's a plate of strawberries and like a hard-boiled egg, but it's seasoned. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like so much love and care. The reason we're recording in the morning, by the way, is because we have a guest and yeah. she's on the East Coast and we love her. So we're like, anytime you would like to record, yeah. we will we'll be record there. with you. I am having flashbacks of being in high school. Like this Ooh. felt like I rolled up. I was 15 minutes late you at did least. Roll I had in. seven different cups of different things in my hands. I have the coffee. I have the water, the sparkling water, the athletic greens, the smoothie. I have everything in my hand. I have sunglasses still on. Sit down and just roll right into this interview. You know what I mean? Just Can like, I let's I just admit pass something? this final. Fine. We're fine. I've been to two cafes already this morning. <laughs> and like so much preparation. So yeah. much studying probably. Yeah. Like, like so meditated. Much you know, took my kids out to a cafe, like had special mommy time already. It's oh, crazy. Okay. <laughs> but I'm a morning person. I always have been. Yeah. This is, 
Like you, <laughs> you and a friend, by the way, was telling me you do this. Yeah. But like you switch off and someone sleeps in on a oh, Saturday. Yeah. Someone sleeps on on a Sunday. Yeah. The other person takes the kids. Like yeah. I can't even do that because I no. literally cannot sleep in. If you're with your children every weekend, I think you do like three cafes in the morning just yes. because it's not warm enough outside to That's go right. outside yet. Like even in the summertime, because yeah. it's like the sun's not up yet. Yeah. And you're already hitting up like three cafes. Go, go, go. And then Luckily, when we're on they vacation, what do you do when, when you're on vacation? Yeah. I think I'm going to be very honest mm-hmm, with you. Mm-hmm. I think you wake up. Yep. You go to whatever the cafe version is, which is like breakfast yep. by yourself. Get the coffee. Sometimes it's emails. Sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's reading something productive. But there's Damn, still, you know a, little, me. <laughs> still you know a little me bit so of well. like productivity before yep. you can start the vacation off. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a productive meditation to settle right in. <laughs> like if you're lucky. That's like the most relaxing thing Yeah, exactly. Thing you're do. It's like, often writing. It's yeah. often emails. Like yeah. just clear a few, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we can have a great day. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. And then my husband has to bring both kids to breakfast. I'm like, round two, let's do it. I'm even talking about like solo vacations, though. When we go oh, on a yeah. vacation together, like besties, you know, where we're like, I do okay, it in both situations. Dina, I'm sleeping in, like, see you at 10. And you're like, I'll see you at 10 after my like morning productivity session. hundred you know percent. I mean? Yeah. Because then I can relax. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very much how I am. <laughs> Speaking of how I am, I have to say today is... I think you can see this, Dina. Bestie can't see this. Today is day one of me putting on the matching sweatsuit. You know how right now all I the noticed. moms are... Okay, you know how they're wearing like neutral matching sweatsuits, yeah. right? You know I've been on the hunt for months, right? Is yes. Like, where are people buying these? Like, is it Amazon? Is you it walked Target? in the door. Like, like, damn, you did it? Like, dude, where? Did it. how did you do that? I have the mini Uggs, too. I got the oh, mini wow. Uggs that nobody can get. I got them somehow. Wow. Like, they shipped. I ordered them six months ago. I am on trend today. You're living your dream. Here's the problem, okay? Yeah. I held off on the neutral sweatsuit for so long mm-hmm. because I know when I slip this on, I'm never coming back. There's no going back. And this is it. This is your new life. This is my life for for literally ever. Yeah. Forever. I will never put on a pair of even leggings again. Like wow. leggings are gone because it's all about sweatsuits. And the problem is this is a trend. This is only a trend. Like people are not going to be wearing sweatsuits in six months. It's going to be jeans. It's going to be the next thing. It's going to be the next thing. I'm still wearing the sweatsuit, dude. I'm not going back. I say be you. Be weird. That's 2024, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? I'm going to be weird. I've been wearing black leggings for five straight years. It's not in. It's not cool. And I'm still going to be doing it. <laughs> it's going to come back, though. If I stay in the sweatsuit long enough, you stay with your, your exactly. side part. The side and part your and the side bangs. They're going to come back someday. Hasn't been in since 2016. Side bangs? It will. I'm, I'm hanging like, on. I think we're like a year and a half, two years away from side bangs. Being like, I can't in. quit now (laughs) already gone through the worst of it you know but i have one key question do your pants have pockets dude not only do they have pockets these are zippered pockets so my stuff doesn't fall out i can even put a car key in here like a man like a man i could put a an effing like credit card in here. Man. I could put anything <laughs> I want in here and just keep it in my pocket. I'm never going back. Order me some. Is this Order what me men some right feel now. Like? They it feel must be comfortable yeah. and assured that the things in that they need are like safely inside of their pockets. Yeah. I'm no gonna worries. I'm going to order you a set. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm so excited. Speaking of excited, I woke up at 4:30 a.m. because Emily Oster is on our podcast. It was literally Christmas morning. <laughs> it wasn't even nervousness. I was just so jazzed that I'm I couldn't excited. go back to sleep. I'm excited. I'm going to be a little starstruck. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to be like, oh, oh my God. God, Emily, you're here. Is this going to be your Dorinda? Are you going to Dorinda this? A little this? bit, yeah. Oh, Greystone Manor I'm this? scream, I just like you did. that. <laughs> right in her eyeballs. <laughs> totally going to freak her out. Yeah. Let's do that. That Let's feels nice it. for me. That'll be like a little bit of redemption. Yeah. That'll be nice. Actually, I think she's almost here. Oh my Let's, God. Okay, Let's get her in this. here. Ah! Okay, we're big believers that small, easy changes can have big results, and that goes for your skincare routine too. These days, it's so confusing to know what product works for this and that and which work together in what order, so I'm just gonna make it easy for you. The work system from Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, it's high-end skincare that's affordable, and it really works. Dime didn't sacrifice performance just to make it clean either. 
And when I say clean, by the way, Dime is 100% transparent about every single ingredient so you can use their products daily with confidence. I do not have time to remember a 10-step routine. The work system is everything you need in one powerful package. It includes a gentle cleanser, a toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. Plus, with spring and summer around the corner, I love anything with sunscreen. Their Tinted Glow Wonder Screen with SPF 30 just came out in new shades, and it's amazing. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally all five stars. Love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com now and unlock your discount. That's DimeBeautyCO.com. DimeBeautyCO.com. It's about time you've checked out Dime. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello. Hi. Hi. talking about how we were not going to embarrass ourselves as to uh, how you're kind of a celebrity to, to both I of us too. as oh, moms. So nice. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining. So first of all, let's just kick this off. In the world of parenting and even before that, in pregnancy, there are just a million and one confusing opinions and anxiety inducing messages and honestly, just like judgy shaming about what to do, what not to do. I mean, it starts like in pregnancy, right? It's like, don't eat sushi or you're going to ruin everything. And then your baby comes and it's like, you should be co-sleeping or you're going to ruin everything or don't co-sleep. Now you're ruining everything. I mean, it just goes on and on. And someone who has helped Chris and I both so, so, so much as parents is today's amazing guest, Emily Oster. She is a professor at Brown, not a pediatrics or psychology, but economics. And Emily's incredible work, which includes your newsletter, which includes her books that we love, our faves, Crib Sheet and Mm -hmm. Expecting Better. Emily analyzes data and translates science around parenting and child development so we can cut through the fear, the judgment, and make informed decisions to weigh trade-offs and to distinguish like trivial and substantial risks and ultimately just be more at ease and remember that we are not effing this whole thing up. Some things matter and some things just really don't. Like big exhale. Woo, Emily Oster, welcome to the pie. Oh my gosh, you are so thank you guys so much for having me. I am a big fan of your Instagram and what you do and your podcast and I'm just oh my I'm so excited you have me here oh we are excited. when you reached out in the DMs I was and actually I think it was a, a, an organic thing where people in the comments of a lot of our mutual posts just kept being like you need you to be on each other's podcast literally. you need to be on each other's podcast it was like Oh, we would be honored. And I think you responded to one of those. Like, I'd love to. We're like, really? Like, really? Yes. Oh, no, my God. Super excited. Oh, Thanks. my God. You mentioned sushi, Dina. I just <laughs> want to say that my personal experience, that's how I found you, was seven oh. and a half or eight years ago at this point. And it was like the height of Facebook mommy groups right instagram wasn't even there yet it was like the height yes of like respectful those were the groups worst, and right those were the, the face people think that instagram is anxiety inducing that yeah. is nothing compared you don't to, even know what it's like to be in the facebook, <laughs> the facebook mom group. mommy Woo. groups of eight years ago yeah so i found you that way because i loved sushi it's my favorite food it's ironically or not my daughter's favorite food now too and I found you because I was like, can I really? And I ate, I ate sushi throughout my whole pregnancy because of you. Now she loves sushi. She went to Japan. She's seven. Correlation? Yeah. Probably. Maybe. You know? Maybe. Yeah, correlation, but also that's great. I mean, I think yeah. this, for, I think for me, a lot of sushi is a, is a gateway for a lot of people. It's totally this the gateway. I, I think it feels 
it's one of those things where it's like, I like it. It's not like I can't live without it, but I would like to understand, is there any actual reason to not do this? And the answer is really no. It's very freeing. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. I I love that's like the core kind of essence around your work. Like it's so freeing to be able to look at actual data and cut through all the BS and the fear that comes with so much parenting. Why do you think there's so many fear headlines that seem to be aimed at mothers and maybe it's parents in general and it's not mothers as a mom it feels feels <laughs> it like it feels mom. like it's it's aimed at us why do you think that is well i think the shortest answer you know i'm an economist and we tend yeah. to think that things are supplied when they are demanded mm. in the market and Oof. i think one of the thing i know it's we're getting very technical mm. um and i think what happens is that people click on those So if you put up a headline that says, you know, studies show there's a mild correlation between screen time and children, but it's probably just driven by family background differences and you really shouldn't think about it. Like no one's clicking on that. That's that headline sucks. (laughs) The headlines like screen time ruins your children. I got to find out like more about that. And I think we sort of generated an environment in which that is rewarded. And then you back up to like, okay, now it's sort of rewarded to write things, even if they are not causal to sort of air in the direction of scary, because then you get media coverage and that's something people want. So there's a sort of cycle, but I think it starts with what people gravitate to in terms of wanting to wanting to read. And we all love our kids so much, like we do yes. anything for and, them. And that's so when why it's... you click on it, right? Exactly. Because you want to do it right. Like it's, it yeah. comes from this place where like all want to be right because we want to do the right thing because our kids are so important to us. And so if the suggestion we might be doing something that would damage them, it's like, I got to find out more about that. Well, I feel like it's a real chicken or the egg situation, though, right? Because I feel like it's a little bit rooted in anxiety, right? It has to be like, yes, we love our kids, but a little bit of it is like, oh my God, this is going to ruin them. Okay, click, right? And you sort of don't, at least I, I'll speak for myself. It is a little bit like you get heightened. It is anxiety where it's not like a logical, well, let me take this for a grain of salt. I will literally be like, oh my God. God, right? And it's a chicken or the egg because then the more articles there are, the more anxious we are. And then the more articles there are, and then more anxious. And then we're clicking more. So then they put more articles out because you're clicking and that's what works. And so it's real, it's a real cycle here. Reinforcing itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, a hard time. And I'm to be a a mom in that sense. And that's why I'm so grateful for your work because it really is so succinct and so to the point where we don't have a lot of time. And we don't have a lot of energy. And whether you're reading, I read your newsletter this morning, I think it was about breastfeeding and like a few other things. And your work, whether it's your newsletter or your book or your Instagram, by the way, is just so succinct of where you're just like, yeah, don't fucking worry about that. And here I'm going to tell you why I'll tell you now in this, you know, here's the data and here's whatever, but you'll really give it straight at first. And I appreciate that so much. And the thing is, there are some things that I worry about, you know, like occasionally people will be like, what do you worry about? I'm like, cars tools. Those yes. are my biggies. No, um, there was one more. There was this. This is probably really oh. creepy. You said the three things you were most worried yeah. about as a parent. Cars, and I, it made pools. me feel so good about myself. Is and cars, pools <laughs> and uh, translating my own crap, my own like mental health crap to my kids. Yeah, it was like yeah. emotional well-being emotional. or something. Yeah, emotional, yeah. you know, that whole yeah. cycle. And I was like, Emily Oster, me too. <laughs> like yeah. drowning accidents and social emotional <laughs> long-term us. health and it's how all I'm stuff. feeding into that. Yeah. So it's not three. that I don't, like I, like, I worry in some sense, like I am a, quite an anxious person. I worry all the time about my yeah. kids. And I think part of why I write the way I do is the way that I have dealt with that is by trying to think about, okay, is this something I actually need to be? worried about or is the you know is the evidence suggesting I don't and most things when you ask them you know somebody in that newsletter this morning was like you know my kids drinking the bath water like is yeah. that a big deal and I was like you know here are the four things in the bath water like pee poop mold and soap and actually they're all fine in small amounts so like don't worry too much about don't it. worry about it <laughs> love it you're all you're like the effect of having the third or fourth baby but for your first baby is what it is you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? you're exactly right third, it's naturally that way i forgot what my oh actually i probably shouldn't even share this but he he drank a little bit of something that probably he shouldn't have had a, like literally a sip and i just flashed back to when my first was born she put the tip of a crayola marker in her <laughs> mouth she didn't even eat it okay she she literally touched it to her lips 
I called 911. <laughs> I think I called the pediatrician, but it was as if, like, it was a crisis. I had my husband come home from work. Like, it was like a crisis. Emergency. Yeah. And when my baby drank, you know, the other, Poisoned. I'm not sure what it was. It basically, like, a teeny tiny bit about it. I was like, well, we're probably going to see what happens. You know, I mean, yeah. I'll know if sure this was a problem fine. pretty soon. Yeah. And I feel like that's what you are. You're like, the you know kid. what? Is this? Yeah. Like, is this a problem? Probably not. There yeah. are problems. Like, I need pool gates i need water safety i need you know all car seat safety very legitimate things that we need and then there are other things where emily oster comes in and tells you like you know what it's actually going to be fine exactly Most like girlfriend don't worry the third kid point is so it's so right i mean they sort of the, you know, i'll get these <laughs> things from people be like my child ate one honey nut cheerio and i'm worried about honey and like you always want to be like you know that's the first and then the person who's like listen they ate like three large pieces of goose poop <laughs> Do you think I should call someone or is that like, because it's mostly grass? I wouldn't even ask. Yeah, and you're just like, ah, okay. Fine. It's fine. Vitamin D, whatever. Yeah, just watch them for a bit, you know. <laughs> That's literally, I think, the answer is just like, you're not going to yeah, know. They're probably going to vomit it up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I'll still be like, is this, you know, yeah. like now we should, you know, now we call it Petri tradition. <laughs> I have to tell you that this was the perfect day for this interview. I don't know if you've seen this one yet or not. This literally, I came across, I scrolled, I'm showing Emily. Oh, on the I saw that I one. I scrolled across this on Good Morning America on their Instagram. It came up in my algorithm. Rude. I need to re-switch my algorithm. I'm going to read this for you because I think this is one you've already pinpointed is probably one of the biggest things everyone feels guilty about. The first part says in this post, for children under two, TV screen time is associated with sensory differences later in toddlerhood. Here's what parents need to know about the new study. I'm not even going to look at your face yet. Okay, swipe. <laughs> For children under the age of two, television screen time is associated with sensory differences later in toddlerhood. Children who watched any television or DVDs at 12 months of age were twice as likely by 36 months to experience atypical sensory processing. That is challenges in processing day-to-day -day sensory input compared to others of age. At 18 months of age, each hour of screen exposure was associated with a 20% increased likelihood of sensory processing differences, according to the study published in JAMA Pediatrics. Okay. My child's mm. ruined. Go ahead. Yeah. So okay. I, I read this and I have three different kids and one has sensory issues and it literal instantaneously and I'm kind of worried about her right now because she's having a little bit of a harder time and instantaneously I was like I, I ruined her I ruined her they all three had pretty much the same amount of screen time but I was like oh well obviously you know Emily please yeah so I floor. read that post I have a good I have a story about this post. Okay. So I read that post this morning okay and I looked at the JAMA pediatrics article so let's like start with I'm what's so there glad. okay good and what they do in that article is they compare some kids in a survey and they have information on how much television they watch and they have some information on the sensory processing and this is not a, a paper with a causal interpretation it's a correlation right and there's a lot of differences across kids and families based on how much uh, exposure to screens they have. Their results are like kind of mixed. Some of them show up negatively. Many of them show up as, as zero. There's some really like in the weeds technical stuff with the data. But I think the most important thing to take away from this, which I want to be clear, the authors themselves say in the paper, is that it is very difficult, impossible to separate like screen time causes this from kids who have these sensory issues are going to potentially have more screen time because their parents mm -hmm. may be giving them more screen time to address the sensory issues, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's very common. If your kid has a lot of sensory issues. This can be something that can sort of pull them down, can relax them. And so you're likely to see the kids who are already having some sensory issues getting more screen time. And then if you see later they have more sensory issues, well, that's not the screen time, it's what we call, we call reverse causality. The causality right. is basically going from the sensory issue to the screen time rather than the, the other way. So the, the authors actually say at the end of the paper, like we cannot establish causality because of this particular issue. Okay. I commented that, including that quote on that GMA Instagram post, and they restricted it and they restricted my account. Oh, wow. Interesting. That is so, interesting. Which I thought you bring was, up a good I, point. I found upsetting in the sense that you know, look, we're all on Instagram. Like sometimes yeah. people say rude things in your account and you have to restrict them. And I, I sure. believe that people should be able to curate the feed, even public people. But I think a post that like a response that says, you know, here's some context and here's a quote from the paper. 
doesn't feel to me like a restrictable offense. But I also think it's like you're the reaction you had. Like that's a reaction many people are going to have. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, like the yeah. amount of panic that I see in my DMs with something like that. People are like I ruined my kid. You know, one time I let my child watch 20 minutes of Coco Melon. Like, is that the end? <laughs> oh, the you know, Melon. It, right. Like that, they, yeah, FaceTime their grandma. Oh. they FaceTime their grandma one time. And, you know, it's like there's so much panic that comes out and it makes me sad that people read this stuff. And then I'm just like, I'm just out here trying to like let your FaceTime grandma and watch a little Coco Melon so you can like. <laughs> Trying to watch like make melon. dinner, you know. I love it. Yeah, just trying you to have know? some family time with someone who lives five states away. Like, <laughs> just trying my best. That's so interesting. I will say, we. I mean, we've only had positive experience with Good Morning America. Like, truly Me too. overwhelmingly. Me too. Yeah, and you've yeah, been on Good Morning, Good Morning America. America. They pushed our interview back because I was having a miscarriage. Like, yeah, they're so very. So I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to like some intern who gets scared all of a no, sudden. I love, was I like, love oh my god, this comment. You know, you're like, girl, you can't. Yeah, yeah, you like whoever. Her, you know, Amanda people. this morning didn't, uh, you know, she, she she's panicked. not helping the moms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't get it. <laughs> um, okay, so can we also talk about that where, actually, I really want to ask about Coco Melon real quick. Yeah. Can we talk I'm about it real so quick? Because I know that's too. old news, but I don't know that I've, I've heard it from you where yeah. that was the biggest. Is the Coco Melon thing real? But also then at the same time, does it matter when it comes to screen time in terms of quality programming? Two different questions. Two right. different questions. So on the Coco Melon thing, you know, the the origin of the idea that Coco Melon is like ruining your kid is somebody's not an expert. I mean, not like a not like an academic, not like an academic paper research, just somebody's yeah widely shared view that like it's too the frames are too fast and that that yes. somehow could have some negative impact but there's no evidence behind them. i mean that's a that's a theory and if you looked at evidence we don't really have any nobody's like studied coco melon but there's nothing else really in the data that would say that like what you are watching matters which is kind of the answer to your second question like mm -hmm. basically we don't have anything that would say educational television is especially better. Now, I want to caveat that a little bit because like when Sesame Street first came out, so when kids are like yeah. sort of three to five, actually Sesame Street turned out to be good for kids like kindergarten readiness. So when kids are like three to five, they can kind of learn stuff from TV. And so if you said like you have to pick between one thing or another and they like them equally, like maybe there's some value to something that has some educational benefit. But I feel that for many people... Some of the value of TV is, you know, this is a break and that if we think about it more like how does a some amount of screen time fit in in terms of, you know, not taking away from family time, not taking away from other things, but being a place where people have a break, then I'm not sure that you need to be super rigid on like you have to watch this particular thing because this is your opportunity to learn numbers. Like maybe this is just your opportunity for some screen time. And if you want to watch Caillou actually don't watch Caillou because nobody wants to watch Caillou. nobody I'm wants sorry, to watch Caillou, Caillou. Um, but if you want to watch Coco Melon so if you want to like Daniel Tiger I'm not sure we should go PBS usually yeah yeah focused sorry, on that Caillou. I mean do of course you want to be careful about content right you don't want your kid to be like you don't want your yeah. four-year-old watching like agent appropriate, appropriate stuff, agent yeah. appropriate yeah. stuff. Yeah. exactly totally but, so common sense media is your friend but like is this their opportunity to learn algebra I no I'm not going to lie. There have been so many shows recently where my three-year-old watches and I'm usually watching because frankly, I use screen time to just cook dinner. Yeah. Like it's great. And we have a good time watching everything, but there are so many things he repeats later. I'm like, wow, you really learn that. Yeah, like that's wild. Totally you learn something. Yeah. They can totally <laughs> and on learn the opposite. From... That, that keeps going. So when totally. they're seven, they can learn other things. And you should be like, yes, oh, maybe we're like, not going to watch the bad huh. kitty show anymore. Huh? That's uh... <laughs> They really are picking up things in there. It's true. <laughs> no, it's true because then my my two almost two year old, not even the other day, was talking about ghosts in his room. I was like, oh, <laughs> screen yeah. time, huh? Yeah, yeah. no, just scratching the surface. <laughs> um, now, I think this brings us to like when it comes to screen time and us all feeling guilty because I think even I, who have read your books. You have read books. You are literally a child therapist. We know all the logic behind it. I still feel guilty. I still do. If it's a little more in excess, I I feel. So do I. Yeah, I feel <laughs> guilty. Is there any? I guess our reasoning here, or at least my my reasoning, is 
is this going to give them a healthier me, right? Where if we're weighing out, and I think this is what you do in your book so well, you're weighing out all these different risks, right? Where it's like, okay, in a dream scenario, let's say, my dream scenario, let's say, everything is completely organic, made from fresh from scratch. I don't cook at all, okay? I literally don't know how to cook anything, okay? And they're never doing screen time and we live on a farm, so they're outside all the time. We also have a mountain that we hike every single day so and I'm like with ba- them 24 like hours a day. You're, you're oh. basically, you're a ballerina farm. Emily, you are we making- will talk about ballerina farm. I feel so bad about myself if I watch that, if I watch that. I don't even know what that is. Don't be honest. Oh, Every- oh no. Hide your phone. The algorithm Sorry. cannot bring this up. Dino will literally go oh, off of a, boy. this is a bad thing. I watch it and I'm like, fuck this. I can never do that. And Dino would be like, I could do that. My perfectionistic perfect, self. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my okay. point is, if I did all of those things and I'm with them 24 seven and we have no screen time, I just know this about myself. And I think pretty much every human being on earth, I would be a monster. I would be an absolute monster. I would be pushed to my breaking point. Not everybody would be maybe, but I'd be pushed to my breaking point. I would probably be snapping and yelling and really unhealthy myself, not emotionally regulated. You don't have to be all the time, but I'd probably be like never emotionally regulated because I would just be drudging through all day. And so when it comes to things like screen time, it's like you have to take into account the entire holistic approach when it comes to data, because it's like, well, if they're saying a little screen time might have these risks, but there's also risks to having a depressed mother, let's say, right? If I'm postpartum and I just had a baby and I'm not letting my toddler have screen time because I'm so anxious that they there might be something wrong with them. So I develop postpartum anxiety. This is a true story. So I develop postpartum anxiety in the meantime because I never have a break. Is that really good for her either, right? So you're weighing out the pros, the cons, the risks and whatnot. And I think we all land on a healthy, happy medium, right? Where it's like, this is a break and this is healthy for all of us. I totally agree. I mean, I think we've gotten into a place where there's first, the first thing you said, which is like, here is the ideal. I I, is I, it? Mean, I think we've gotten into a <laughs> place where like this idea of like intensive parenting has gotten mm. very, we've gone very far in that direction that we kind of yeah. need to be doing with our kids all the time. I mean, when I was a kid, like, I don't, I mean, I, yes, I definitely watched them screens, but also a lot of the time the parents were just like, go away. Like go yeah. outside, you know, it's like, and yeah. I, I, it's just like, why, what are you come doing here? When it's like, dinner time. Yeah, yeah. Like come back for food and then leave yeah. again. And so I think it was, you know, it, it, we've gotten into a little bit of a space where we have this idea that the ideal would be like, everyone is playing wooden toys on the floor for like nine hours a day, but I'm not sure that's, I'm actually not sure that's even good for our, our kids to have that kind of that much access to. That's us. such a good point. It's almost yeah. kind of like wild that that and this is what society has told us is the ideal like we've we've taken that in yeah you know yeah I do think that the way that is framed though that ideal and this is where you come in Emily the way that is framed on social media right now is it's because of data right it's never because it's like one person or one influencer's, you know, opinion, the Coco Mello thing, yes. But everything else is always like Danish, Swedish researchers have found that when your child naps inside of a crib and not outside, you are damaging the health of the cellular respiratory, you know, like <laughs> everything that you're saying in these ideals are quote unquote based in research. Yeah. Pull in little lines from studies. Yeah. Right. And it is little lines from individual studies. And I mean, the thing we almost always miss about those is even if that were true, almost none of those effects are big. Right. Mm -hmm. No one like even if it were slightly better for your kid to nap outside, like in the scheme of the things (laughs) like that's small. And and therefore, it's like if you said, well, I can I'm a robot and I can implement everything anyone has ever shown to be a tiny bit effective, like I can implement that because I'm a parent robot. Like, okay, sure. That maybe that's the way you program your parent robot. Who knows? (laughs) But you're not a robot. And there are these trade offs. And, you know, being being happy or relaxed or feeling confident about the lifestyle you've built or, you know, having even saying like so for us, screen times before dinner. And so there's like screen time before dinner. You know, my kids are a little older. And so for my oldest one, she may or may not get it because sometimes there's like homework or violin or whatever. But like basically that's the time before dinner. Like no one is with me and I'm cooking my dinner and it's like a nice experience. And then we come together for dinner. And because everyone is kind of like dialed down the cortisol or whatever it is with some relaxation, like dinner is really 
like can often, not always, but can often be like really fun and like our opportunity to connect. And I think if we had spent the 45 minutes before that with people like whining and complaining at each other, we would not have that that part. So then how do you trade that, right? Like I know how I trade it and we thought about how how we trade it, but I think it's not like there's, maybe there's not a way to, to you're not a robot is what I'm saying. You're not a parent robot. Just yeah. A person yeah. robot. And like, I I think we underestimate our own needs when we're having all of these conversations. Like it's just wildly left out of the conversation where parents are parents are people too, right? Parents are people too. Parents are people. And again, all of the studies showing like a healthy parent or a parent that can be somewhat present. They don't have to be perfect, but just in terms of like, I don't know, like they, they have healthy, a healthy lifestyle. They exercise, whatever it is, they can show up and be a little bit of a healthier parent. Like the effects of that are huge. They're insurmountable. And it's almost like we could even kind of sometimes put that first the way you just did, where it was like screen time helps us as a family have a really happy dinner. Done. Well, I'm glad you bring this up. I feel like that's actually something to keep an eye on and cut through. That's become really popular in the past years is like a good mom in particular is someone who gives everything to her kids and puts herself last. You put your kids first. And you know what that really leads to is burnout. It leads to burnout. And then your kids aren't seeing a great role model of what it looks like to tap into your needs, to make them a priority, to take care of yourself. And then the cycle just continues. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we should, we're modeling for our kids what we think is like a healthy adult lifestyle. You know, and sometimes saying like, I'm going to prioritize myself and I'm going to do this thing. You know, I had this experience. So I was, I did a, I did a marathon in December. Good for you. Know, running, running is like my, my self-care. And so there was this moment with my eight-year-old where like on Fridays, I was like not walking the kids to school because I like wanted to get to my long run like early. And so there was sometimes I was like putting him to bed and I was like, all right, I'm not going to walk you to school in the morning. Like I'll say hi, but I'm going to go because I have a long run. And he was like, I want you to walk me to school. And I was like, no, I don't want you. To, I'm not going to do that. And he was like, you love your long run more than you love me. And I was like, not in the aggregate, but in the moment, yeah. like that's what I'm going to prioritize. You know, and it's like, it's so easy to be like, oh, you know, I don't want you to feel that way. But it's like, actually, like you're just saying in this case he was just saying things to try to see like what might come up and then in the morning he didn't care even for for one second but i think there was something valuable in being like no you know it's not that i love my long it's not really a meaningful statement but i am going to choose this priority because that's also important totally i had to do it the other day too actually it was saturday i was gonna work out and then i was like you know what my body doesn't feel like working out so i was just gonna go to a cafe for two hours by myself and then the three-year-old had a hard time and was like i want to come with you i want you to stay i'm gonna miss you you should play with me and i literally got down and i was like hey i hear that you're feeling sad and you know what Mommy needs to go take care of herself so that I can come back and I can be a patient and fun mommy and I can't wait to play with you when I'm back. And it's good for moms to go take a little break sometimes and take care of themselves. And he kind of got it. And I was yeah, like, you know, awesome. this is good. That's great. I don't it's feel like really, they always get that. They don't no. always get it. <laughs> I don't I'm just, they always get that. Maybe I'm just telling myself that <laughs> yeah. and hoping that he got it. It can be so <laughs> tempting. And that's a journey for you. I feel like you yeah. two years ago, especially, would have been like, okay, honey. You know, I'm like, we oh, all are. 100%. It's such a journey in your mother. To, to figure this part out because I think for a lot of, at least us, I don't know about your childhood, Emily, but a lot of us who grew up in homes that maybe weren't as healthy. So we have so much pressure trying to change generational cycles and do it just right. I feel like we tend to put ourselves last anyways, in general. I mean, that's just something that comes out of living in a home like that. And so your needs and your worth is not on your mind. And the only way I was able to reframe it for myself was to say to them and to myself, in the instance of your run, Emily, would be something like, it's because I do love you so much. I need to be able to show up here and love you the most. Like I'm doing this for me because I love you so much. And that was the only way I could really justify it at first because I didn't love myself enough to be like, I need a run today. I'm going to go. That was never going to work for me. I had to ease my way in to be like, wait a minute. I'm effing this whole thing up by being short and irritable and a martyr and taking care of everything and making all the snacks and making all the food. If I love them, 
I'm going to do this for myself. And that was like the baby step to get yeah, there. Now I your way in. Yeah, yeah. You found your why. Yeah. And yeah. that why can change over time. Totally. No, but I think that's that feels so important to me as a first step, which is to say, like, basically, yeah. if you are struggling to do this and you want to take that first step, you probably need to find something other than like, I want to, because yeah. I like the whole thing is like, I want to. That's not. Uh, valuable thing. So for me, what part of what has really helped with the running is at least initially it was like, okay, I'm doing this because like this is healthy. Like this is like for, you know, yeah. it's exercise and you want. It. And of course, like my husband's like at this point, he's like, well, I don't really think that number of miles is strictly. Healthy. Now it's like, <laughs> now I can be like, oh, well, it's just because I I like it. Uh, but it was that initial step of being like, well, I'm doing this for extra. I'm doing this like because of, you know, cardiovascular health and longevity or whatever it is. And that was for me, that was like the sort of step to start to start doing that. So yeah, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When it comes to this idea of perfect parenting that we're all talking about and the the unattainable standard, we've already talked about it. We're not doing it. F it. Is there data that shows, and there may not be, is there data that shows how much we really need to show up in a healthier way, let's say, meaning none of us can show up and be emotionally regulated and calm and loving and handle everything perfectly 100% of the time. Is there some sort of a, a benchmark or a percentage that any data goes to of like, kind of keep your shit together this much? Not in the way you're looking for. No, no I mean, I think all it's, for it. <laughs> it's a sort of tr- tricky space. And I, I wrote about this uh, like a few weeks ago. So in some ways, the like years between zero and three are incredibly crucial, right? If you sort of look mm-hmm. in the broader sense across sort of socioeconomic groups in the US across like income, basically, what you see is you actually see quite big differences in sort of kindergarten readiness and early any way you're going to measure that when kids from early life differences. And so there's some things that seem to matter, but a lot of the questions that people that would ask me basically, or what was sort of what will are thinking are on the minds of the people who are probably listening to this. Those are not the things that are important, right? It's things like access to quality childcare with like a, you know, a caregiver who is paying some attention to you. It's like lack of toxic stress, meaning, you know, a safe, consistent place to live and enough food all the time, enough sleep, a quiet place to sleep. It doesn't have to be like a silent, but like just someplace that feels safe. So those are the things like providing an environment that is stable and consistent. That's something that's really, really important for kids. And we have a lot of different ways to see that that's true. But that's sort of so far from the question of like, Mm -hmm. you know, is it okay if I give my kids some screen time or if some of the time I like, you know, maybe I'm not as present, uh, I'm on my phone, you know, this is really far from that. And so I think that's sometimes important for people to remember when we think about like, how are we, how are we trying to deliver for our, for our kids? And when we think about public policy, like what should, like, it would be great if, if like the world provided a situation in which people did not have this kind of toxic stress with their kids, that probably isn't something individuals are going to have. That's something the government should be doing better, but that's a whole other that's definitely conversation. down that rabbit yeah. hole 100 yeah. percent. like some support for parents you know yeah. and then we won't pay paid leave cycle. it's a little paid yeah. leave, yeah. child care subsidy you know yeah so i might be a better something. mom you know we all yeah. might everybody in the u.s might be yeah. better yeah and more present 100 percent. you know had basic basic needs yeah uh, so what you're saying though i think is that this is what i kind of always say to we get the same dms obviously it's just fear 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 probably the same with you where it's like 95 percent of the questions are 
did I mess them up forever? Is it 95? It could be about screen time. It could be about school. It could be about separation. It could be about divorce. It could be about anything. But the underlying question is, have I ruined them forever? And I I feel like what you just said, that's a nice little checklist. I think at the end of a really long, hard day is like, I think we get so caught up on the details. And if you have that checklist that you just said, where it's like, what am I feeling guilty about right now that I gave waffles for dinner? Oh, Emily Oster said they need to be fed. Were they fed? Chuck killed it. Did they? Oh, I'm feeling guilty about screen time. Blah, blah, blah. Did they have a roof over their head while they watched those screens? Oh, Emily Oster, that's a check, right? Like, yeah. if you're following a parenting Instagram account, and then you're rolling into the DMs, because you're so worried about your kid, you're probably doing a great job. Yeah. And you've hit those five checklists. No, totally. Somebody once asked me sort of early on, they're like, gave me a long story. This is like at some event that was like, there's two preschools, like one of them has, you know, they're like, all oh, the teachers have a master's degree. And one of them only one has a master's degree, but it's in early childhood education. And yeah. I was like, if you are thinking about this, like, you're fine. It does yeah. like go yeah. to the clo- yes. go to the one that's closer. Yes, that's it. That's like, yeah. go to the, the one closer. That's closer. Which one's better for you? Yeah. <laughs> like because these are the same. You know, this is like, and at this point, it doesn't like you're so far down the rabbit hole of having done oh, the boy. stuff that's important that like you just pick the one that's closer. You should have seen my uh, preschool spreadsheet when I was a oh, first time mom. I oh, remember. Yeah. That. I sent it to you because you were a child therapist. Yeah. You know, so I had to be like, we need. We- <laughs> We need, we need therapy. <laughs> yeah, we need the literal, <laughs> like Dan Siegel's mentee to weigh in on what preschool my daughter. It was, I mean, the spreadsheet oh was insane. In it was sight. really extensive. I will oh, say that. Wow. Like, maybe this is the same question, though, but is there data on how much yelling is too much yelling? It's kind of related to what we were talking about, but only because it's probably the number one thing, again, yeah. that is, you know, our audience especially right. is worried about. Not, you know, not really. And I think this is a place where I actually find the whole space of the literature, like, really hard to parse. You know, we have, I would say, you know, reasonable data that physical punishment is associated with bad consequences later. Um, what are those consequences, by the way? Do we, let me mostly know. other behavior problems. So basically mm-hmm. that it, like, sort of is associated with mental health issues and behavior problems later. But, you know, th- and and then we have also a set of data that suggests that consistency in response is kind of the most important aspect of mm. any kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a discipline program, but like any kind of the behavior modification, I don't know what words we're using, but that sort of doing sure. the same thing every time so your kid knows what to expect is a really important part of that, both in terms of getting outcomes and in terms of kids like not being in terms of stress. But the question mm-hmm. of like, you know, I yelled at my kid, everybody yells at their kids, like yeah. everybody yells at their kids. Say it louder. Yes, everybody everyone yells, yells at their kids. I'm a child Oster therapist. Does. I've done it. Dina does. Your pediatrician does. Yeah, it's everyone. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's people say like, I don't want to do this. I like, okay, like, look, first of all, sometimes you're going to yell at your kids. Everybody yells at your kids. Yeah. It's okay. And then, you know, back up a little bit into like, okay, well, what, you know, what are the, like, this is much more Dina than me, but like backing up in a situation of like, what is it about the world that is like having this happen more than you want? Sort of if particularly if you're saying not like occasionally I yell at my kids, which everyone does, but like, mm-hmm. you know, this is happening more frequently to ask like, what are those situations? Is there a way to react to them differently? Like, what can we put into place? So we're yeah. not having that situation. I think that's that kind of like advanced planning is part of all of this sort of deliberate parenting Yeah. As a child therapist, I always think of it kind of like this, where it's like, what is your ideal go-to approach? What are you being consistent with? If your core belief is that kids are going to behave better and learn better by you punishing them and threatening and yelling at them because you're the parent and they should respect you and so they should be yelled at to do what they're supposed to do, you know, that's different than the flip side that we're talking about is I'm a human being who has hard days myself and I'm tired and sometimes I just run out of bandwidth and I snap, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I repair with my kid and I explain that I was having a hard time. This wasn't about you and I'm going to work on having my big feelings without yelling at you and I'm really sorry. And newsflash, your kids someday are going to be adults, right? So someday your child will get angry and 
yes, we want to show them how to healthily deal with anger. So some of the times, hopefully we can do that, yep. even when you're in traffic, right? Like I'm guilty of it too. But like a great way is when it's not with your kid to try your best to model anger, where it's like, I'm feeling really frustrated at this car in front of me and nothing I can do. You know what I mean? Like you can model anger in that way. Yep. But your kid's going to snap someday. They're going to make a mistake. We're all human beings. So it's actually kind of healthy for your child to see you mess up, make the mistake, own that mistake, and they can see afterwards what that looks like. It doesn't need to look like going into a shame hole or never talking or or leaving things really weird. And then you wake up the next morning and everyone's yelling again. They can see, okay, when you get angry and you make a mistake and you snap at somebody, here's what you do. You take ownership. You say, I'm so sorry. And I'm going to go take some deep breaths and I'm going to work on it next time. And what a great thing for them to learn. To learn that they're human too. I think what we're saying is we're crushing it. <laughs> I think everyone listening to this podcast is crushing it. Everyone listening yeah, to this podcast I'm gonna guess, is crushing it. I'm going to guess right That's there. Right. You're doing a good job. It's like the big time adulting thing where at the end of all of her, she's like, get oh, yourself a snack. Her. I feel yeah. like a tagline. Like, You're doing a good job. <laughs> Just eat a snack. Yeah. Just get yourself a snack, get girl. A snack. <laughs> so speaking of your, of your kids watching you, I listened to one of your podcasts. Oh, my gosh. Please remind me who the guest is about grief, parenting with grief. Marissa. Marissa Lee. Uh, that was one of the most impactful podcasts I think I've, I've ever listened to as a parent. I mean, can you give like a little, a little summary of especially what, I don't know, is there data there? Was it just opinion based on when you yourself, a parent are having a hard time, you're going through grief that could be loss. I mean, there's anything, miscarriage, divorce, change, um, divorce, change. I mean, so many things, how you can show up as a parent while you're grieving. I mean, I think in some ways, a lot of what we were talking about there is this same idea of making it okay for you to be having a hard time. And it's okay to say that. I mean, so Marissa has a, a two-year-old and even with her two-year-old and with my own kids, when, you know, my mom was sick, like being able to say like, I'm having a really hard time and I need some space or I need, I need this uh, is, is okay. And so I think just that a lot of what we we're talking about there is how you show up and be honest with your kids that you are struggling because it's it's hard and all of these same instincts that make us want to you know be the martyr or be the person who never has a problem i think come up against limits when something when you are really grieving something right mm-hmm. i mean it's one thing to say like i'm stressed at work whatever i'm trying to like push through it but if it's like you know, my mom is going to die tomorrow. Like that's not, you're not like pushing through them being like, well, let's all go to Six Flags and like, I'll pretend everything's fine. Like you just, they're just not. And I think pretending that we're able to do that is almost the extreme form of some of this self-sacrifice. And we were really talking about the idea of like, you don't have to do that. Ask for help, get help and tell your kids what's going on and in age appropriate ways. Exactly. And as a child therapist, that actually impacts the kid in a great way because kids can pick up, they can feel what's going on around them. They can feel when we're off, when we're struggling. And so when we help them make sense of it, it actually helps them feel safer and feel calmer when they understand what's going on. Yeah. It's like, and especially for kids who are pretty new to this world, it's like the thing itself is scary. It is it feels insurmountable for us as adults, right? To to look your oh, I don't cry, but to look your child in the eye and say whatever it is, right? Where it's like grandma's dying. That seems scary and insurmountable. But to a child, what feels scary and insurmountable is not knowing is yeah. is sensing and watching everything be different and having is it me? Is it do did I do something? The not knowing is scarier than the thing. And and they're going to face those things. And that's what brings like breaks my heart too, is like this actually, I think when you go through a hard experience and you share that with your kids, you have that realization that's also kind of scary. It's like, this actually won't be the last time that they'll face this, right? Or that we will face this as a family. So all you can do is show them how you can show up. And wouldn't we say like, hey, honey, let it out, you know, cry. It's healthy to cry. So we should probably do that and let them see that, you know, that's what we totally. want them to do. Oh, that episode yeah. was just like, perfect. It was perfect Thank timing. You. I love, I just... Marissa is like, I, I found Marissa actually when my mom passed, somebody sent me like a podcast she had done, I think on like, we can do hard things and was like, you should, mm. you know, listen to this. And I read her book and she's just like, she's kind of perfect. She's that perfect. 
She's perfect. We can agree on that. Do you have one final question? Because mine would be about kinder readiness, but I wonder if yours is No, better. hit us with it. You want me to hit it? Yeah. Is that okay? Can that you... was actually this on my mind, too. This is your other bread and butter. I think, yeah. I think sushi, and I may, if I may, because I'm your target demo, um, <laughs> a very anxious um, mother. <laughs> a very caring mother yeah. who loves her children. Loves your children. Go therapy <laughs> weekly. I go to therapy weekly. Seven years. You know, I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> I feel like sushi is the gateway to your first book. And then, which is crib sheet. And then I feel like kinder readiness, correct me if I'm wrong, kinder readiness and and red shirting them and that whole debacle is like the intro into family firm. Like that's why. Okay. Is that accurate? That sounds right. Yep. (laughs) So red shirting, it's this thing. uh, Do you want to briefly explain what, what this concept even is? Yeah, sure. So, so red shirting um, in this context uh, refers to the practice of holding your kid, typically a kid with like a summer birthday, uh, back a year or so they enter kindergarten a year later. So rather than being, you know, just five, uh, when they enter kindergarten, they are they are a fresh six. six. They are just six. Yeah. And the yeah. idea is that, you know, people would do this so their kids would be basically perform better in, in kindergarten, you know, get a leg up, similar to the origin of this word, which is like in college football, mm-hmm. right? Where you sit on the you wear a red shirt and sit on the bench for your first year. Uh, so you then you're bigger and can hit people harder in future years. Um, yeah. So in kindergarten, it more be about reading than hitting, but you know, sure, whatever. Same sure. thing. Also, also okay. hit. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I mean, this is somewhat of a, a recent. I mean, when when the grandparent generation hears this, they're like, "What?" I mean, yeah. you were a September birthday and you were fine. And yeah. I just have to say, I wasn't fine. For everybody listening, I was little in my um, grade too. Yeah, I was a September birthday, and I ended up actually redshirting, if you will, in seventh grade. And I, I really wish that I would have redshirted mm-hmm. in kindergarten because I have such distinct memories of just not being there. Definitely with, I mean, I'll never get there with math, even as a thirty-seven-year-old. But in those concepts that were harder to grasp, being a year younger did not do me any favors. And even socially and emotionally, there's such a big gap in terms of a year, and all kids are different right yeah. so if i struggle a little more in that area it makes sense so what is what is your opinion what is the approach when it comes to people who are on the fence of a blanket approach of like well it's a summer birthday i'll just hold them back versus like being a little yeah. more nuanced about it yeah yeah so i think what the data like what we see in the data is the one sort of thing that seems to be kind of causally related to entering at a younger age is behavioral diagnosis like adhd so mm-hmm. is there to think about kids who are entering younger, especially boys, are sort of more likely to get that diagnosis. And that's true, like, huh. not basically not because they're more likely to have it, but because it seems like it is true because you're comparing them against kids who are on average older, right? So if you're just five and, you know, there's somebody who's six in the class and the expectation in kindergarten is that we like all are able to sit still and learn phonics, like you're a lot less likely to be able to sit still and learn phonics because- you're five because your brain hasn't developed like your brain hasn't the other developed kids. yeah and so yeah. then it's sort of relatively in some environments sort of easier to for teachers to be like oh well this kid is having you know is sort of struggling with this so mm-hmm. that is kind of the main sort of database thing that we see and i think for me it argues for like a a very like thoughtful nuanced parent kid specific approach to this right so on average, boys are sort of more likely, I think, to need more time, but not every boy would need more time. And it's much more in the data here. This is suggests it's much more about socio-emotional development or the sort of behavioral side than it is about, like, do you know all the colors and, like, do you know the letters, which, you know, there's a lot of variation. And it is true that kids who enter kindergarten older, like, test better in kindergarten, but those effects go away by, like, second or third grade, whereas the effects on these kind of diagnoses persist because the diagnoses persist. So there are people, I mean, it's an interesting space because there are people who would say, there's a guy named Richard Reeves, whose view is like, every boy should be redshirt. Just like blanket thing, like expectation should be like boys take an extra year. And then there are people who are sort of more in the middle would say basically like there should be an option for a second year of pre-K. That the way that like the yeah. school system should be structured is like formal school starts at, you know, the sort of year before kindergarten. And some kids do two of that. And then mm-hmm. some kids go. And that's for me, nice. that feels like a, like if we could manage that, that in a public nice. policy sense, that yeah. would be like perfect. Yeah. Because, be. yeah, that would be perfect. I'm curious as we talk, obviously, there's no data here at all. This is just three women sitting in a room. Do we think that girls are being left behind in this conversation because they're not exhibiting 
giant symptoms. Like let's, let's, I'm just saying for myself or even for, you know, one of my kids who I decided to red shirt. If a girl is quiet and complacent, but they're still having a hard time in terms of maybe they're not the most outgoing, maybe they're, you know, a little bit meeker, they're a little bit milder and we're not really accounting for like, she might be stronger. She might be more confident with, with the red shirt situation. I feel like a little bit girls are kind of left out of the The conversation equation because it's not, it's almost like girls being left out of the 80 HD diagnosis, by yes, the way, because it, it, it looks exactly it looks so different where we're so worried about these boys kind of, you know, rightfully so, because it can maybe be violent behavior or it's bigger. Right. It's it's scarier. It's this. It's so let's control on it. Yeah. Whereas way. girls ADHD or even in this case, I feel like the struggle is presented in such a different way that we're not really paying attention to that. Yeah. I mean, I think s- some of the overall reaction to this has to do with the fact that like boys don't seem to be doing great. Lately, like they're, you know, they're graduating at lower rates. They're less likely to go to college. Like there's a lot of reasons why sort of people have started to talk about issues with with boys. But part of the reason I don't like some kind of blanket thing that's like redshirt all the boys is, of course, it misses that like there's going to be variation in girls and how ready they are in a variety of ways. And it's probably different than the ways yeah. that that boys are ready. So, you know, I think we I think we need to take a little bit more of a thoughtful approach to early childhood uh, mm-hmm. that would acknowledge that just like between the ages of four and six, kids are moving forward at, it's like that age. And then it's like this adolescence period, the sort of like sixth, seventh, eighth grade yeah. where like just a lot of variation. And that's where you variation. see you see the boy girl stuff show up also. Yeah. 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 Well, their brain goes through another crazy growth development period during the yeah. teen years, which is yeah. a whole other Whole other source of whole other, podcast, whole other thing, whole other, Molex, <laughs> whole other Instagram page. Exactly. <laughs> oh, this has been amazing, Emily. This has uh, been amazing. I don't want to stop. I know. I want to chat forever. I have so many questions selfishly that I will wait for the next time that you're next on the time. podcast or we like meet somehow in person. Someday. Oh, yeah. We should like meet and have coffee. I would love. To I would love Where that. are you? Where do you live? Uh, I live in Rhode Island. Okay. I don't know if that's a part Very of my far. journey, but Very I'll make it a part of my journey. We're in Denver. Okay. Yeah. All we right. got to meet sometime. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Let's figure I was out in Denver. You know, I was in Denver. I, this is like six, six months ago in September for a conference. And I had a really terrible accident with a bike while I was running oh. and I ended up in the ER. So I can Stop tell it. you what I know. I'm so amazing sorry. I know about Denver God. is your ER is fantastic. Oh, it really well, is great here. Nice. It was I so loving. That was terrible. I, I was sorry about the stables in my head, but I was really like a huge fan of the oh ER. God. Like that was lovely. I remember literally watching this, by the way. It's probably very creepy, but we got it all the time. I remember watching because I think you shared something at first yeah. where you were like, I was, like, I was hit by a car. And then it just went blank. And then all of us were like, is she okay? <laughs> and, you know, it was like you showing up however many, you know, in the ER being oh, wow. like, I'm fine, guys. We're okay. Just have just a few stitches. staples like, oh, in my, my God, head. Emily, like, no big deal. Oh, God, we were all so worried. Well, we're glad you're okay. <laughs> what Thank would you. I do and Emily come Oscar? back, give us another try one day. Please. Give Denver another shot. Please. Indeed. We can do better than that, I promise. <laughs> Thank, thank you guys you so, so much. much. Thank you for coming on our pod. We yeah. love you. Until the next love time. Yeah. Until the next yeah. time. Oh, how do you feel? That was so fun. Oh my I didn't God. want to stop. Are we best friends with Emily Oster? I love her. <laughs> Is this like the Andy Cohen thing where it's like slight delusion or are we? I feel like we actually might be friends. I think we're friends. Wow. Wow. I want to have a coffee with her. Wow. That was like wild. Yeah. You know how long we've been reading her stuff. And, I know. And like to actually talk to her. This was a dream come true for me. <gasps> the data I, nerd that I am. Yeah. Like how do you feel better? I feel better just talking to her about yeah. like I feel better about every choice I've made Literally as a parent. Literally everything. I I never feel this way where I'm like, wow, am I crushing it? But now I'm feeling it all of a sudden. I'm like, Literally. I'm doing a damn good job. What? I'm not joking. That's why I follow her on Instagram. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this because she's on her podcast. I mean it when I say her newsletters, because like newsletters, oh, they kind of suck, right? Like no, they're just like, nobody wants a news. Amazing. I need her newsletter every single week because it's like, oh, yeah. You get I'm not messing instant them up. Cool. boost. Yeah. Where you're like, okay. Oh. I feel like that's my takeaway today is like i'm gonna keep mantraing and channeling those like top things she said of like positive outcomes in children of like literal basic food 
Like, Mm -hmm. do they have access to food and they're eating? Safety and shelter. Do they feel safe? Do they have a roof over their head? And do they have somewhere nice to sleep? Like, just not even nice. Just like somewhere quiet. quiet We're doing it. To sleep. And I'm just going to keep... That was my favorite takeaway. I'm going to keep monitoring that. Yeah, it felt really good. You did a really good job today. Yeah, we We need this perspective. We really do. Especially (laughs) in this this crazy time of parenting where everything's flying in your face. God, I love her. Let's go for a run in Rhode Island. Should we go to Rhode Island? Yeah. Do you want to run? I might. Okay. (laughs) We could all jog together. I'll do do whatever. I'll do anything. You know what I mean? Okay. I'll be behind you in the sweatsuit with my coffee (laughs) and my smoothie. I'll meet you at 10 at the the brunch place. We all know I'm not going to show up. Uh, Bestie, it was so nice hanging out with you. We love you. We can't wait for next week, besties. It's 10 o'clock. What are we even going to do with our day? I don't know. This is nice. Let's go hang out. This is cool. Yeah, let's go hang out with me. starving. Yeah, let's hang out. Bye. Bye, Bestie. Besties, this was a great episode. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling fired up to go back to parenting. And at the same time, the toddler, the preschooler years come with many, many unique challenges from bringing a new baby into your family to hitting tantrums, discipline, another area where there's a million opinions of how to approach behaviors. Here's the thing. You are a great parent and sometimes great parents need help or they need some fresh strategies. Our course, Winning the Toddler Stage, is the world's best-selling behavioral course for a reason. It is rooted in science, but written by two busy moms and literally is one course that has everything you could possibly ever encounter or need for ages one through six. I'm talking bedtime, picky eating, discipline, tantrums. It is all in this one course. This is the toddler preschooler manual that helps you take the guesswork out of behaviors and discipline. And you can find it on our website at biglittlefeelings.com slash courses. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at biglittlefeelings where we have the best community of parents. No joke, it's so supportive and amazing and we offer free tips there all day long. Thank you so much for being here with us. This has been an Odyssey production, executive produced by Lauren LaGrasso, produced by Daniela Silva, edited by Bob Tabador, and theme music composed by Liz Full. Then studio lighting designed by Shane Sackett and designed by Jackie Shearman. Special thanks to Odyssey Executive Vice President and Head of Podcasts, Jenna Weiss-Berman. And thank you for being here with us. We can't wait till next week.